Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we're talking about the Kingdom of God. And uh, we've been talking about turtle doves this morning. And uh, most people have no idea <laughs> what that subject uh, curtails. That uh, this idea of turtle doves, because it was kind of strange. I've always wondered, like, so what's a turtle dove? And, and and they actually translate the word turtle dove into turtle at times. And, of course, you're not supposed to eat turtles according to the Jewish food laws, the modern Jewish food laws or the Jewish lo- food laws that they've come up with. But, uh, so it's not turtles. And it's called uh, turtle dove. And it's translated turtle dove most of the time. Not all of the time. A- and the most interesting thing that I th- came across while I was starting to do the study over a week ago. I mean, I put I put thousands of hours into putting together these different shows and programs and uh, pages. We we support the you know, cuz I'm I can't go through every little fine little detail in uh, this idea of you know, uh, what's uh, what's what and what's uh, Actually, they're talking about when they're talking about turtle doves. What are, what is the actual word there and, and what are the letters and why do they change the letters sometimes and not other times and, uh, it's, uh, it, it can get extremely complicated, uh, because of the fact that the letters all have meanings. And if you don't know the meanings of the letters, you may not understand the meaning of the words. And so if you, if you take, you know, a common word like the, what they translate into turtle dove nine times, and they translate into turtle five times, and, uh, so altogether the word supposedly shows up 14 times, and the word consists of the basic letters of tov, uh, vav, rash. And those basic letters of Tav, Vav, Rash, what, what do they mean? What, 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 you know, the Tav is the letter that represents most often faith. That's the simplest way to put it. And the Rash it off, represents power, authority. And there's all kinds of power and authority, so it's it's pretty general. But, you know, like if you had a word like spelled saw, uh, Shen Rash, that that's basic fundamental authority or power of choice. Uh, but if you had Shin Resh Resh, that's somebody having power of choice for somebody else. So if you add the extra Resh, it means something more, and uh, it can it can be interpreted. And they can still add more letters on top of that. And then there is context because of the fact that all the words are put together. And so, what is what? But the reality is that that basic number uh, or or word is numbered 8449 in the Strong's Concordance. And it is supposedly Tav, Vav, Resh. The problem is, is the word for to seek as a verb is also 
spelled Tav Vav Resh. And it's given the number 8446. And a word that means order, or creating order out of something, is also spelled Tav Vav Resh. And it's given the strong number 8447. And then there's 8448, which is spelled the same way, but translated according to an estate, according to a position, according to a rank, or according to whoever you are, wherever you are, your, your actual ranking position in society, so to speak. It's estate is the way they translate it in the King James, according to your estate. But it's the same spelling as as the word turtle dove. And they're not done. There's more words. A four five O is spelled Tav Vav Resh and it supposedly means ox. So is a turtle dove an ox? Well it's spelled the same. And so can you figure it out by context? Well, maybe. But really what you need to do to figure it out is have the Holy Spirit. Because even, you know, that they tell you in the definition for uh, Tor, Tav, Vav, Resh, in, given the strong number 8449, that it's probably the same as 8447, which means turn as in a succession. Some sort of, which takes us back to that estate, Translation 8449, which is succession has to do with maybe rank or position. And, and then, of course, you could go to the, the word that they number 8447, which supposedly means order. I mean, they, they have lots of different ways of translating it. But order, succession, your rank, all those things are so, somewhat related. And, of course, they're all spelled uh, Pretty much exactly the same, although this morning show we showed that there were times where you just had Tav Resh. And that there's other times, like in Genesis, where they had Vav Tav Resh. So they put the Vav first, not between the word for faith and the, the, the letter for faith and the letter for authority. So, I mean, is the Vav there in between connecting you know, or are they saying, because the word Vav, the letter Vav can sometimes represent the idea of and. I mean, we can, tr- sometimes it's because it's present in front of a word that normally doesn't have it, you can put the word and this, and that. And, and that makes, so everything doesn't translate like numbers. It, it, it translates according to certain nuances in the language. And it's not always easily translated from, you know, Hebrew to English. And so, sometimes you'll look at the Hebrew word and kind of, and the Hebrew letters that form the word and say, well, maybe he means more this way and less that way. Except for the fact that this idea of uh, interpreting the writings of Moses or the writings of the prophets or the writings of the apostles really requires the Holy Spirit. It's not just about knowledge and information. Knowledge and information helps. I was talking to somebody today explaining that he lacked knowledge. (laughs) I mean, ultimately, we got down to that point where I pointed out that he lacked certain knowledge. 
I mean, he was even asking the definition of some basic words at times. I think it was him who, you know, like, what, what do you mean surety? What, what's surety? Well, I mean, like, if you take out a loan, there's got to be surety for the debt. And, of course, everybody who was in the bondage of Egypt were in the bondage of Egypt because they were in, they were a surety for the debt of their parents who received free food from Pharaoh's safety net when they had no provisions for themselves. And, of course, Reuben said that the reason that we have to go into this Corby system of statutory bondage which is what, you know, 20% of our labor is now going to belong to the government. The reason we're going into that bondage is we have no provision for ourselves. And, of course, he explains very clearly the reason they have no provisions for themselves is because they would not hear the cries, the anguish cries of their brother when they sold him into the bondage of Egypt. Well, they they sold them to the Ishmaelites, and who were their cousins, and the Ishmaelites sold Joseph into Egypt. And some people think that, well, God meant it that way because now He could save them. No, God meant it that way because He wanted them to experience the bondage that they put their brother into. Because as you judge, so shall ye be judged. That's a fundamental law. In the law of nature, which is divine will. I mean, law of nature, believe it or not, is defined as divine will, or the will of God, or right reason. Those are all convertible phrases by the guys who used to use those phrases in explaining what right reason was. Back in the early days of the United States, the the people who were formulating the idea that we are free souls under God, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, and that we may create governments, but governments have not created us. The government, you know, I was created in part by my father and my mother who procreated me, but I was not created by the government. I was created by them. But, of course, the Israelites, who are all born in Egypt, were created by their parents as well. But they were born into bondage because their parents were in bondage. And they were born into bondage. Now, they could have got out almost any time if they would have done what God wanted them to do from the beginning. At which we see with Abraham. Abraham is telling us how it works. But most people don't understand Abraham. I mean, the the Pharisees read Hebrew. They did not understand Abraham. They did not understand Moses. They didn't understand the prophets. There are Pharisees today who think that they do. And some are closer than others. I mean, there were some Pharisees who actually understood that Jesus was the Messiah. They they recognized his doctrines because they themselves were not far from the kingdom. But there were a lot of other Pharisees who were a long ways away from the kingdom, and they not only did not recognize the doctrines of the Lord that, that were expressed by Christ and his teachings, they wanted to kill Christ. And a lot of people who I was talking to this morning may want to kill me someday <laughs> when they hear, because I was talking to people who have not yet heard the show. That I that we recorded and hopefully we will eventually upload in nine days according to the agreement we have with the station. 
then we will put it up without commercials. We will put it on podcasts. You'll be able to get it on Spotify and all the other podcasts, uh, iTunes, everybody. And you should mark it. You should listen to it. Even if you listen to it live now, you should listen to it. Then you should share it with your friends when it comes out on the podcast. I mean, you can share. We will also put it up at Preparing You. And eventually there will be links to it at HisHolyChurch.org. Yeah, I mean, like HisHolyChurch.org went down for a few minutes. This, well, actually probably several hours in different places this morning. And we got, I had to get that all sorted out before the program started. And, uh, it, it was going to cost me some money to get it sorted out, but actually saved some money because I took the time to make the calls and contact the people and, and get it sorted out. We got it sorted out and it's supposedly back up again. So some of my email, I kind of screwed up and I'll have to fix that after the show, but I mean, it's just time, time, time. I could have devoted a lot more time to this article on Turtle Dove and I will. I, I will, as I go over these audios, I will correct some of the things. I mean, just in, actually, right now, as we're speaking, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna save a page that I was editing. And when I save that page, it will have more links on it than it did when we started the show. I, I'm putting in a link right now. I just put in a link. Uh, and I can see numerous other links that I'm going to, dealing with, you know, because when they talk about turtle doves, a lot of times they talk about a young pigeon. And of course, it's not really a young pigeon, because it's, it's not even a pigeon. <laughs> I mean, in number 610, it says bring two turtles. Two turtles, or two young pigeons, to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle, of the congregation. Well, what do they mean, tabernacle of the congregation? What do they mean, the door of the tabernacle of the congregation? Why two young pigeons? And what, 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 and, and, and on the eighth day, you have to do this on the eighth day. And why do you have to do it on the eighth day? What, what are they talking about? And how do they spell the word turtle dove? Or, in this case, turtles. And they spell it the same way they did in Leviticus 15.29, in Leviticus 15.14, in Leviticus 14.22. They spelled it Tav, Resh, Yod, Mim. Well, wait a minute. What happened to the Vav? It was Tav, Vav, Resh. Now it's Tav, Resh, Yod, Mim. Seven times they used that particular spelling. And that's what we're going to do. Is going to go over that. We'll we'll look at some other quotes as we go along. Then they talk about in some of these quotes. And most of this is in Leviticus. And uh, I've I've left a little place marker there. Actually, I'll save this so that people will. If you're going to preparing you right now, as we're doing the show live, you can you will have some of those links. I can just see as I saved it. I can see that. I will need to add more links to there. <laughs> but if you re, if you're already on preparing you, you can actually refresh the page, and the, those links will be there. But I mean, there are all kinds of words on this page that people don't know the meaning of. They don't understand. They don't know what Moses is talking about because they lack knowledge. 
But I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were saying all these things, because they've been listening for a long time. And, and I'm sure that when they listen to a few things at the beginning, they they like, I don't get that. Why is that that way? Why is it that way? You know. But eventually we get around and start covering all these different all these different words and why they, and all of a sudden it starts fitting together. It start it makes perfect sense. You know, of course they're in the care business. They they take care of people. They they help people that need help. And they say, well, this makes sense. I can see how this this that Moses was doing would help society. What he was really doing was helping society form a society where there were social bonds that made society stronger. Absolutely stronger. Somebody was asking me several times today. He asked me, "What? What should we do about the homeless problem? What would you do? You had power for the day to do about homeless problems." Well, I, you know, I, I I don't really want the power. <laughs> I already have the power of what to do about the homeless problems, but I don't want to fix your homeless problem. I want to preach the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The kingdom of God would fix your homeless problem. It would solve those problems. But you would have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Just telling you about it is not going to do any good. Giving me, you know, kingly power for a day to go and fix it, that's not going to do any good. But your homeless problem is the direct result of the governments that you have created for yourself. The gods of those governments that you have chosen for yourself. Your sloth is why there is a homeless problem. You got, you say, well, I have a home. Yeah, but you're slothful in the ways of Christ. So therefore, there's a homeless problem. There would not be the homeless problem that there is. And I talked about it a little bit this morning. I actually talked to people who work for government since then. <laughs> since this morning's show. <laughs> they told me some interesting stories. I mean, right now in the state of Oregon, they're spending millions of dollars. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Uh, you know, annually. I mean, like tens of millions, $12 million. And I don't know, that might be almost a month. I know they're spending, in some areas, at least $10,000 a day on the homeless problem. Spent by the road department. Just by the road department spends $10,000. <laughs> because the homeless are... They're undermining bridges. They're building tunnels under the bridges. They're encroaching on the right-of-way. And the new governor won't let you tell people to move away from the right-of-way under bridges. You know, they're, they're camping right along the freeways and the highways and the roadways. If somebody loses control of their car, they're going to kill a bunch of homeless people. It's not safe to set up your tent in the middle of the night there and create all these extra obstacles and reflections and all this stuff. Right in a heavy trafficked area. It's dangerous. It's stupid. But stupid is the stupid does, according to Forrest Gump. But the governor won't let them tell those people they need to camp somewhere else that will, they will be safer. If you go and you tell them that, just go and tell them, you know, you guys are actually endangering yourselves and you're endangering other people by creating these obstacles right on the highway. You're going to come out of your tent and, you know, in the middle of the night, somebody's going to see you, somebody's going to lose control of their car on a subby highway, or something's going to happen, and we're going to lose 
all kinds of homeless people are going to get plowed into by a car that loses control because they're camping right there by the highways. It's dangerous. But you can't tell them that. You can get fined a thousand dollars if you tell them that. That they're, they're creating a hazard for other people and for themselves. If you tell them that. That, I mean, that, that is actually laws now that you can do that. So they have to go through a big ritual and find other places for these people to camp and everything. You still can't make them go. They can still do what they want. Now it's free country, right? But you don't know how many of those people are collecting a government check. It's, they're, they're subsidizing people to create the homeless. They're not subsidizing them to get them off of the homeless. Now I'll give you an example. Idaho does not have the homeless problem that Oregon has. Now you could say it's partly because of the weather, but even in the summertime, they don't have it. Why? Well, what are they doing different? Because there's actually road workers who left being road workers in Oregon to become road workers in Idaho during COVID because they didn't want to get the vaccination. And they had a, a little bit better policy there. Although, with a little bit of courage, I know a lot of road workers that didn't have to get it. But they had to stand up. They had to spend a little overtime to make sure that they protected their employees so that they didn't have to get it. I shared some... I shared some comedy videos and some other videos uh, on Facebook just before the show. And uh, and one guy, I mean, he really put it together. I mean, he was talking about that. I wish I had not, I think he was from Australia. I don't know, he had an accent. He says, I wish I didn't get the the shot. I'm probably safe. I'm probably going to be okay. Probably no problem. But I wish I didn't get it. Because I, I'm thinking like if it was Nazi Germany. And they came in and they said that you had to do this. And you had principles and values. And you said, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand for my rights. You know, I would like to think that I would be one of the ones who stand up against the Nazis. But at first when they said I had to do it, I said, I don't want to do it. And they said, well, if you, if you don't do it, you can't go to the pub for a month. And said, oh, okay, well, then I'll do it. <laughs> so he said, so I think, like, if I was in Nazi Germany, and they said, you know, like, uh, you know, that you, you have to, you have to turn in the Jews, or whatever it is, uh, so that, or, or, or you can't go to the pub for a month, I'd be, be saying, you know, like, Anne Frank, she's, she's right upstairs. I saw her upstairs, cause, you know, I, I have no, I have no real principles. I mean, I had principles for a few minutes, but if I couldn't go to the pub, that, you know. And, and he says, I just have to live with that for the next two or three years before I have a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, he's being a co- comedian and people are chuckling and laughing, but there's a lot of... I mean, that's why we have comedy, so that we can talk about the truth without scaring us to death. But the truth is getting so bizarre compared to the lie that we're accepting every day, that it's getting harder and harder to make the truth funny enough to tell it. I, you know, I, when I shared it on Facebook, I, I, I said that, you know, I probably shouldn't share this, but then I don't go to the pub. <laughs> so, so I share, 
I've already got a bunch of likes on it and everything. But I, we're not big on Facebook. This is not on the His Holy Church Facebook. There's a His Holy Church Facebook. And if you get on that, you, you'll get, you know, until they start censoring us more and more, you'll get the recordings and you'll get announcements, etc., etc. But really, our network isn't Facebook and even the Preparing You site. I mean, a lot of information on the Preparing You site. And we're going to be turning everything into PDF so that you can, you know, and, and so that you can actually put the Preparing You site on your own webpage, on, on your own website. You can put it all over the place. And, but it'll be up to you to do. We're doing it so you can actually download it and upload it to another place. The whole thing. You know, all the articles. And, and you could do it by categories. You know, like if you want just the Bible articles or just the, and hopefully we'll get it so it'll be the audios and everything will be, you know, you can put it on your own computer. So it's not even on the internet. You can download it and, you know, hide it away like, you know, hiding the Bible. <laughs> so, uh, so that, we're working on that. We have some people working on that. So hopefully they do that. But our real network is the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Because Christ commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and care about our neighbors as much as we care about ourselves. I mean, Christ commanded that his followers make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, some people will say, oh, well, that was just for that one event. Yeah. No. No, it wasn't. And the history proves that that isn't the case. That that is the way the church was organized. The church established by Jesus Christ was organized that way. The church established by Constantine, well, not so much. Some of them did that. But very clear, right from the beginning in Milan, they weren't doing that. Because all the people of Milan elected Ambrose to be a bishop. That's not the way it works. According to the way Christ set it up, or according to the way that, uh, you know, uh, Moses set it up. That, that you did it with the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And through that tens, hundreds, and thousands, you had a system of courts. You had a system whereby you could discipline the people who are not copacetic to a moral behavior. Now, you didn't have to put them in jail. You had, you didn't have to, you know, arrest them and put them in jail and house them for two or three years and supposedly pretend that they're paying their debt to society when they're actually running up a bill for society. You didn't have to do some nonsensical stuff like that where we'll teach them, we'll put them in jail, feed them, house them, give them computer hookups, you know, free medical, free dental. We're going to teach those bad guys they shouldn't be bad. <laughs> no, that is that is stupid. <laughs> Your prison system is a stupid idea. Moses had a good idea. Moses had an absolutely great idea. Is that if they're bad, you know, if they're doing bad things, immoral things, that is hurting other people, 
they have to pay back and make recompense for those people that they hurt. You know, if you steal somebody's purse and had six hundred dollars in it, you you got to return six hundred dollars to those people, and you got to get buy them a new purse. And if you actually stole it, you have to maybe do double that. You might have to give them twelve hundred dollars. But what if the guy doesn't want to give twelve hundred dollars? What if he doesn't want to buy her another purse? You know. Now she could say, "Oh, you don't need to give me a purse. It's okay." But I would like this six hundred dollars back, and all is forgiven. She could do that. If I mean, assuming that it's a she, I'm, I'm assuming pronouns here. If you forgive me, because <laughs> I said a purse, <laughs> so well, maybe that's chauvinist of me. But of course, I don't care because <laughs> I don't go to the pub. But uh, the the reality is is that you had to pay back. Now, what happens if the guy doesn't want to pay back? He doesn't want to give her her six hundred dollars back. I I spent it all on drugs and 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 fast women, and I'm not paying it back. So you just let him go, or would you put him in prison? Well, modern people, oh, well, well, actually now, because it was only $600, and I'm referring to an actual particular case where somebody stole somebody's purse in Idaho <laughs> at a university my brother went to for a little while. And uh, he was put to jail for two years. Cost the taxpayers $100,000 before he was done. Woman never got her purse back, never got her six hundred dollars back. But he supposedly paid his debt to society, but now he has a criminal record. He has to try to find a job. He spent two years wasting two years in a jail. And we think that's some sort of justice system? No. That's nonsense. Absolute utter nonsense. What would Moses have done? What would Jesus have done? <laughs> Well, it would vary case by case basis. But basically, you pay him back, pay it back with a penalty, recompense, reparations for her $600, and you don't do it anymore. That's, that's basically it. Okay, but you don't want to pay it back. So, uh, back to that again. What, what do we do when the guy doesn't want to pay it back? Well, you stone him, of course. Right? And that, you stone the reprobate. But what does that mean? That you stone him. Well, we talked about it this morning. Everybody who was listening to the morning show, I don't remember him saying anything about stoning. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Abraham did it. What did Abraham do? When the vultures came to eat the sacrifice. Because they thought they were entitled to eat the sacrifices that he had laid out there before his dream. He drove them away. That's what stoning is. Stoning is you, you, you go to this altar stones, the stones of the altar, the gathering of friends, the gathering of charitable men that you have chosen to be the ministers of your social welfare system that does not put you into bondage, does not become a snare, does not curse your children. That would be the one that Moses taught. That would be the one that Abraham taught. That would be the one that Jesus taught. It's not the one that 
FDR taught. It's not the one that LBJ taught. Or Klaus Schwab. Or Noah Harari. It's not theirs. It's the, it's the Christian. The Judeo-Christian system of social welfare. I'll use that phrase, Judeo-Christian. That floats around a lot. Judeo-Christian values. The problem is, most people talking about Judeo-Christian values don't have any Judeo-Christian values. Or at least not any fundamental Judeo-Christian values. They might as well be atheists. They're saying, Lord, Lord, but they're not doing the will of the Father. Now, why, why do I say that? What am I talking about? Have you figured it out? Some of you I know probably, you know, I, I have to ask you. And, and we'll take calls later on in the program. So anybody who's hearing this and, the, and they're listening live, and, and you can find out when we have this show because in the second hour we take calls. So if you want to call and talk to me, find out when, go to Preparing You, find out when we have this afternoon's show at Freedomizer. And uh, call in. There's a number to call in. We'll talk about that during the second half of the show or the second hour of the show. We can go three hours. But I seem to have been losing my voice at the beginning of today. I was trying to think of why, you know, when I first started talking the morning show, I was like, my voice is like going already. But actually, I think it's the pollen. I mean, outside my window, all the almond trees and the nectarine trees and the plum trees, uh, they all have lots and lots of flowers. <laughs> and of course, up in the mountains above me, the ponderosa pine are probably starting to send off their pollen. And so there's pollen, pollen everywhere. And so it's probably affecting my voice. But uh, it doesn't affect the message. So, what does stoning mean if it doesn't mean hitting people in the head with rocks? It means to tell the stones of the altar, which is a system of social welfare, not a pile of rocks, telling them that this guy... Owes this lady six hundred bucks that he stole her purse. He owes the community twelve hundred bucks altogether, her and the community, because he stole six hundred bucks. And if you steal it, you owe twice as much because you stole it. And that's written in the Mosaic Law. Now the person who's demanding it, they don't have to get twelve hundred bucks. They can say, if you just give me the six hundred bucks, I've done that with people who owed money. I saw them legitimately trying to pay it. And I forgave the last bit of it. Actually, in some cases, I forgave quite a bit of it. <laughs> Depending on if I was a widow, I'd get a better chance of getting it forgiven. <laughs> if it's a lazy alcoholic, I'm probably not going to forgive him at all. Like Ed. I'll, I'll use the Ed uh, M. Dot. Uh, see, know his last name. He's passed away now, which is part of that old deal. <laughs> he owed me money. But I, now, when he died, he didn't owe me any money. Because I gave the debt that he owed me to Christ. I, I just, I'm not gonna put, take him to court. I'm not gonna give him our, I'm just saying, I'm gonna give the debt to Christ. I got back tenfold. Within that month, I got back tenfold of what he owed me. 
because he didn't, you know, he had 30 days to pay, he didn't pay. So I said I was going to forgive the debt. I was going to turn it over to my collection agency. I was going to turn it over to Christ. Now, he didn't know what to think of that, but evidently he didn't think he should pay it because he never did pay it. He didn't pay it to me, but then I told him I would forgive the debt. But it would be, he would owe Christ the money that he owed me. I got ten times in my custody and control. I've, I've since given that money away to the work of Christ. But uh, I got ten times and he lost ten times. What? You know, and I didn't have to do anything. It's kind of like the Egyptians crossing the Red Sea. Israelites got across. Egyptians didn't. Because Egyptians didn't have the protection. So, yeah. Don't. See, the Egyptians said the Israelites could go. The Israelites went. And then they reneged. And they came and tried to take the Israelites. But God protected the Israelites. Because by the word of the Egyptians... They could go, but then the Egyptians went back on their word and they were destroyed. That's going to happen again in the future. Different said, won't be Egyptians this time, but same. Well, actually, it could be some Egyptians. <laughs> but but uh, it, it's a principle. It's the way it works. So, that's what you do is that if a guy is a reprobate, he's lazy, wants to be a drug addict, he doesn't want to clean up his act, and there's lots of people around to help him, and that's one of the things that I know. All the churches uh, handle a great deal of the social welfare in Idaho. They're very st- strong church presence. Now, they don't do what Christ commanded, but they're at least handling a great deal of the mental health on the street, and I know it has a pretty good program and everything. But if you're really doing what Christ was doing, Idaho would be fiscally solvent. Would not be in the trouble. The closer they get to that, what Christ said, the better off they are. Oregon is going farther and farther away. But Oregon's a big state. You could go county by county. And if a county, a single county repented, and, and the people of that county, I don't know, 10 people in that county, Maybe a hundred people in that county repented and started doing what God actually wants his followers to do and started seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God and started taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That whole county would be blessed and protected. They wouldn't be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. But you can find you couldn't find ten righteous men. <laughs> you couldn't find a hundred for sure in Sodom. Couldn't find ten. And Lot really wasn't that righteous. So Sodom was destroyed. So, there's one thing a person wants to do is start gathering together with other righteous men. Doesn't mean to come to Oregon, that's for sure. It means start, because righteous men don't do that. Righteous men don't say, come to Oregon. Righteous men say, go to the Lord. You have to find the Lord. And the best way to find the Lord is to start with the Corbin of the Lord. The Corbin of Christ. 
Start taking care of one. Start being fervently charity, charitable in a network of charity. Just take care of the needy. Start casting your bread upon the waters. Stop coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority. But when Abraham was driving away the scavengers, he was just doing what you would do if you were to tell your ministers, don't support this guy. He wants to be a reprobate. Cut him off. New Testament talks about reprobates. Don't have anything to do with him. Let the, let, let the world take care of him. And that's how you'll start solving your homeless problem. Now, there's going to be a huge homeless problem <laughs> in the future. But it, we're talking to the government worker. like They can't, can't chase them away from the roadsides. You can't, can't tell them, you know, you can't be here and all that stuff. They're actually going on and telling me more like uh, they, they get huge checks for doing this. Uh, I know somebody who works in corrections, known him all his life. And he had to go up to Portland, I think it was, for a meeting. Pretty sure it's Portland, yeah. And he was checking into a hotel. You know, the, the one that he goes to regularly when he goes up there for government meetings. Because he's in corrections, mostly with youth corrections. And he saw a busload of people come up. All like wearing black. Clearly up to no good. And get out of the bus. I mean, a bus, a chartered bus, brought them there. They all started getting out. And somebody else came up and unloaded a pallet of bricks there where the bus was coming. And they started getting ready to have a riot. So somebody... Paid for the bus. Somebody paid for to have the bricks delivered. Somebody paid all these guys to go there. And you say, well, that, that's it's not this. This is not spontaneous. The, this these riots were a plan. He saw this. He called it in to the police, and he told the police, "This is what's going on." You know, we and they says, "You know what the police said? Get out of there." Get away from there. Get get into your motel room. Get off the street. And the, they all said, you're not wearing your uniform. And he said, no, I don't have my uniform on, but I do have a gun. He says, don't let them know in any way, shape, or form who you are. Get out of there. Because we're not sending anybody to stop it. It's Portland. You know, they don't, they don't stop that. They're not there to defend and protect. I'll tell you another story about... Portland police. I'm not picking on the police, but I'll tell you what's going on behind the scenes because I have I have people in my network that know what's going on behind the scenes. But anyway, because they're not coming. They're not going to do anything. And of course, the next morning, the place was a shambles. Windows broken, all smashed up and everything. So what's going on? Who paid them? I know somebody else, young person. That started doing a little exploration on the liberal sites and everything in college at the time. And so they started finding out what's, what's, you know, what, what can you do? And people are saying, well, you go here and go to this and you, you can make $250 a day. And you don't even have to work most of the time. You have to make a commitment now and then a week here and a week there. But you get $250 a day. But it's not a wage. It's not a salary. So it's, it's tax free. $250 a day. Tax free. You can get this. 
All you have to do is be supportive of what they're wanting you to do. You have to be an activist. And $250 a day, tax-free, because what they're doing is they're paying them per diem. You give them $250 a day, especially in Portland, because that's a high per diem. And they can collect that $250 a day, and they don't they don't have to pay any income tax on it. So what do they do? What are they supposed to do? Well, they get on the bus <laughs> and go throw bricks at buildings. They don't even have to bring their own bricks. I mean, during, during the riots, you know, uh, I know people in the government who saw bus loads of people in black clothing. And, and the reason they noticed them is they're all these young kids, you know, pimply-faced kids and everything, black clothing. And, and they, I mean, they're standing like, oh, what is that? What kind of club is that? None of them had masks on during COVID. And that's what drew their attention. They said, why don't, I mean, we could get fired if we don't wear a mask, theoretically. That because of people I know that were in this network, that were in this system, they wouldn't fire anybody. They, they, you know, they, they gave people a place to stand and protected them and everything because they actually cared. There was a little bit of the kingdom in them. But all these guys in black clothes, no masks. They all get out at a McDonald's and they all go in there and they get whatever they want in McDonald's. And somebody else is paying the bill. They're not paying. Somebody else is paying. But then, you know, that evening they probably were throwing bricks at places. They they were busting rioters. Who's paying for that? What's going on? Well, it's just part of the Cloward and Piven strategy. Is is part of the Great reset. The, those are the scavengers. And somebody's paying them to infiltrate your society and destroy your society and create chaos in your society. And where's the FBI? Well, they're down at the school board meeting. <laughs> making, making sure that you don't give the, uh, you know, these, these new agended teachers problems about their agenda. They're, they don't care about you. They're, they're, they're doing their own thing with, you know, but the FBI isn't investigating that. You know, you, you, you're in a war, but you've already lost. The, the other shoe just not, has, has not yet hit the ground. The other boot has not yet descended upon your neck, but it will. It will. And you're not ready. Because you don't do what Christ said. You you don't know what the turtle dove is. And so that's what we were going to be talking about today. Just like we talked about this morning. And we went through a lot of that this morning. And I pointed out the fact that this the word turtle dove was spelled different there. And the word pigeon is not the same young pigeon that you find in other parts. And so since it was... Both Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus are all written by Moses. It's not like he doesn't know. Like, how did I spell it when I wrote Genesis? You know, no, he he knows what he's doing. He's putting it in. He's leaving you clues, breadcrumbs. But he predicted the bondage of Egypt. 
and he predicted the column of smoke by day and the column of fire by night, which is the same column. It's just that it glows at night when it's dark and you see it. Coming between you and and this sacrifice, where he cuts, he divides the sacrifice. He comes between them. Because so, all, all the animals in the sacrifice, which are actually representing something, I didn't tell people what it represents, but I'll leave that to you in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tell you everything. But that, you know, there there was a heifer and there was a she-goat and there was a ram. Why a ram? Well, you can go study sophistry and find out what is a ram. Why, why a ram? What does it represent? But then there was the turtle dove. He didn't divide the turtle dove. But the, the burning smoking furnace, the burning lamp, came between Abram and the dove. The turtle dove. They call it a turtle dove. Because it's not spelled like the regular word dove at all. Not even close. Because it really isn't about a dove. It's about the dove goddess of Sumer. It's about the Nimrods of the world. It's about the Canes and their city-states. It's about legal charity set up to weaken the people and to usher in tyranny and to cut people off from God. To blind them so that they believe a lie. And that whole dream or vision of Abraham was about what was coming to divide the followers of the Lord from those people who follow the ways of the world and who are of the world. And this, this is what Jordan Peterson didn't get. This is what all his scholars don't get. Is that what Moses was showing is that you're not going to use the social welfare system of the dove goddess of Sumer or of Nimrod of Babylon or any of the Mesopotamian like Ishtar or any of those who set up systems of corvi to turn people into human resources and create legal captivity. Like the bondage of Egypt. Like what everybody in the United States is in. They're all in the bondage of Egypt again. Because the churches you go to are not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're preaching something else. They're preaching the gospel of covetousness. That covetousness is okay as long as you do it through government. It's not okay. It is a snare. It is a trap. It will make you human resources. It will curse your children with debt. All that's done. We covered all that this morning. So I've just I did a little bit of a review. So I, I in the next section it talks about turtle doves, and I may change some of these titles. But right now, we went into the deeper meaning and talked about the tov resh and the uh, gimel vav zayun lamad, which is supposed to be a young pigeon. Which isn't always the word that we see there translated young pigeon. So we talked a little bit about that. And we, once I get this all together, maybe we'll do a video so that you can see it. Figure it out. But ultimately what I want you to do is figure out what, how to communicate with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that has really become a very important thing in my mind.
for the people to learn. But you remember that the Word of God comes from God. doesn't come from me. I, I'm telling you what God has told me. And so now it's interpreted into language and, and, and I'm showing you. But you think that you can actually learn the doctrine of God by reading a book. You cannot. You can read a book about the doctrine of God and it can give you certain ideas and then you can go out. But you only learn the doctrine of God from God. You only learn the way of the Holy Spirit from the Holy Spirit. Because that's the goal, is to have the Holy Spirit written in your heart and written in your mind. But if you're out there coveting your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority, you're not going to get that. You're, you're, you're not going to be able to divine what the truth is for you. You'll think, oh, I need to go join those guys in Oregon and, and I'll go there and get on their property and, and then, you know, I, I, I'll be a part of their group and no. I do not do that. Bad, 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 bad mistake. You could end up dead. <laughs> I mean, literally dead. I mean, I struck down dead. You want to go where God wants you to go. And he will tell you. But right now I'm telling you that God wants you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another as if you cared about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Uh, you have to put aside your pride and what you think you already know. You have to humble yourself before the ways of God and be diligent and strive in the ways of God. That was another thing I just posted to Facebook picture of an eagle floundering around the water. You see it and the waves are slashing over its wings and all this stuff. Then it puts out its wings and it's kind of looking around and eventually it kind of flaps the wings up and shakes them and the water goes flying off, shakes them again and, and you see it, the, the powerful wings of the bird starting to bring them up out of the water, starts lifting them into the air as he's swinging and the waves are still kind of Lashing against them, and then suddenly his claws come out of the water. Huge old fish <laughs> his claws. And he struggles, and he gets he's flying, but it's a lot of extra weight. I mean, that's a solid fish. It's a big fish, and he's carrying it. And and I, I said something to the effect that naturally, r- reward requires effort. Which is why Jesus Christ said, strive. Why he said, seek. Why he said, preserve, or persevere. To make straight the way of the Lord. Wherever you're at, whatever town, whatever county, country you're at, you can start doing that. And the way of the Lord is that you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands start casting your bread upon the waters in a way that strengthens the poor. And you won't be able to strengthen the poor if you're sending help to people that are lazy, selfish, don't care about anybody else but themselves, want to sit around and do drugs and drink wine and collect food stamps and welfare. You should not be sending them a check. But you are. You're not personally sending them a check, maybe. But the men who 
call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. They're supporting them. They're weakening them more. They, they are your canary in the coal mine. You see how weak those people have become. That's why the people say, well, isn't it kind of mental problems and and drug addiction and all this stuff? Well, you'll always, the poor you'll have with you always, but not quite so many. <laughs> you know, I can tell you, I can guarantee if those guys aren't getting fed, there's two things they're going to do. They're going to get lean and mean or lean and weaned. Weaned off of the system of social warfare that has made them weak. But unfortunately, a lot of them will become lean and mean. But if you had the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll know where to be and how to handle them. If you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, don't expect the cops to come. Just like the guy who was calling the cops and says, we're not coming. We're not supposed to do anything about that. Now I said I'd tell you a little bit more about I'm, I'm telling you a story. This is the afternoon show. We're not going through the doctrine so heavy. We will go through some of these. Uh, I noticed that we've already got our first hour in. And so I'll be giving out the number in a little bit. So if you need to call in and ask a question, get a pencil and paper. And I'll give out that number. But Portland is trying to hire cops. You could probably get a job there as a cop. You don't have too bad a record. <laughs> They're offering $50,000 sign up. You know, you can, you can get a big bonus if you sign up at McDonald's and $20 an hour. <laughs> but if you sign up as a cop, if you go and try to get the job as a cop, you'll get $50,000 besides your wages paid to you in the first two years, in two installments. And they're sending out that notice to other cops. I don't know if they send it out to everybody. But I know other cops in other states because we're in a network. And they get that notice that if you come to Portland, you can get a job here and we'll give you $50,000 extra and we'll give you all these benefits and all these wages. And guess what? They're not taking them up on it. Because they don't really want, you know... They don't support their cops. Now, I personally don't believe that you should have cops supported by tax dollars. They didn't have any in Moses' Israel. They didn't, they had sheriffs, what you would call a sheriff, of course a sheriff is a term that comes from, you know, England, sheriff, and uh, might come from other uh, languages, I, I don't know how far back you want to go. You know, the Sheriff Reeve goes back at least that far. And uh, and I'm not against having a sheriff. But who was the sheriff? It's the guys you went and filled the butts with. Fill the butts. What's the fill the butts with? See, you don't know history. Some of you have been listening for a long time here, these little stories. There was a deal they did once a month in England. Where they were filling the butts. They call it filling the butts. Well, the butts are the targets. We had, we just had an event out here, the, uh, uh, first annual White Rock Gathering out here on the church property. And, uh, very little of, this was, uh, a gathering of people, a lot of people who want to teach traditional, uh, skills. 
and you know, like blacksmithing, making bows, uh, uh, starting a fire with a bow, and uh, I was trying to think, felting, uh, making rope, um, sewing your own moccasins, and they had, you know, different deal. And you know, I actually talked to several. I can, I, I know how to spin wool. With a drop spindle, with a kick spindle, with a, with a, a great wheel, with a Saxony flyer wheel, you know, I, and I have those things. I have looms uh, that I've put together. Uh, I, I got an old loom for I think almost nothing. I don't know if I even paid anything for it. Maybe a hundred bucks or something for a harness loom. I got it. It's up in the attic. I used to have it up in the living room, but. Uh, once I made some cloth with it and everything, then I had I know how to do it and I put it up there. And uh, but I also learned how to make other looms, table looms, four harness table looms, smaller looms, inkle looms, all these kinds of things. I know how to tan hides. Uh, I've got a trunk full of tanned hides. I hope they're all still in good condition. But um, rabbit hides, deer hides, bear hides, cow hides, goat hides, sheep hides. And uh, we've used a lot of them. I mean, I used to have all kinds of them, but it takes a lot of time. And I've been busy writing all these things. But there's a lot of guys out here who have all kinds of similar skills. Not quite as many maybe as I have, but some of them, they're probably better at it, you know, making their own knives. I still have a knife that I made back when I was 16 years old and and still in school. Uh, I think it's on the dashboard of the feed truck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a terrible knife, but it was my first one. And uh, then we learned to make yurts, and uh, my son-in-law, he knows how to make boats and canoes and all that kind of stuff. We could be setting that up and showing lots of people how to do that. And lots more. And actually, uh, we, we could have people cycling through here on a regular basis to teach them these things. But the real skill they want to learn is how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, you have to learn how to create the social bonds of a free society. So you have to take care of the needy of society with faith, hope, and charity. So, how does that all blend together? Well, we're not, that's not the topic of the show, but I'll leave that question out there for you. How, how, how can we put all these things together? And, and create the network that we are commanded to create by Christ. So that all the people who really believe in Christ, not the ones who say, Lord, Lord, but don't do it the will of the Father. That's most of the people out there claiming to be Christians. They're actually pagans. And they have taken the name of the Lord in vain. You know, they say they believe in Yahweh, or they say they believe in Christ, or they say they believe in Yeshua, or they say they believe in Jesus, but they're not doing what he said. They're actually doing the works of iniquity. They're coveting one another's goods to the men who exercise authority. Obviously, obviously forbidden by Christ. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, and actually, I can show you throughout the prophets, everyone, they, you're not, you're not to covet your neighbor's goods. To rulers. You're not to eat the dainties of rulers. The benefits of rulers. The, the wages of unrighteousness. That's not what you're supposed to be depending on. That's the addiction you need to overcome. And change and do away with. 
but you haven't done that. And you aren't doing that. So, about time you started. What I was saying is that the, there's this particular spelling uh, that uh, is spelled, you know, the, it shows up seven times. Torin. Tav, Resh, Yad, Mem. And we see it in Leviticus 5, 7. And actually we see it also in Leviticus 5.11. So it's twice there in Leviticus 5. And I, I already have a page. Let's see, does it show up? Yeah, it shows up here. And I'll continue to organize these better and better and I'll put in side notes and all this stuff in my spare time. But we're going to read it from the beginning, Leviticus 5. And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. So what is he talking about? Is he talking about somebody who sees lying? Somebody lying? Okay. I just ask him the question. Or, if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or carcass of an unclean cattle, or a carcass of an unclean creeping thing, if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. So, yeah, that actually sounds a little strange. If it be hidden from him. But then he says, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touch the uncleanness of a man, whatsoever uncleanness, it be that a man shall be defiled withal, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. So when they're talking about hid from him, but then he knoweth of it, then he's guilty. It's not saying that if it's hid from him, he's still guilty. If he didn't know he did these things. It's it's saying, you know, it's one thing if it's hid from him, but if it's not hid from him, then it's unclean and guilty. So, and, and this actually correlates into what Paul says. When they talk about eating things sacrificed to idols. And that's something that's unclean. See, just like the turtle dove has nothing to do with a turtle dove, which is an, actually, generally speaking, it could be called an Asian dove. It's not the regular word for dove. It's actually really a reference to a sacrifice of either the... And because they're spelled different ways, it could be the sacrifice of the dove goddess, where they're forcing the contributions. Go read an article on Sumer. Go read an article on Nimrod. Go read an article on Corbin of the Pharisees and find out what was wrong with Cain's sacrifice and what was wrong with Abel's sacrifice. Or, Or right with Abel's sacrifice that was wrong with Cain's sacrifice. So, you have to understand all these words have other meanings. Or, or slightly different meanings. You have to read it in the context. Once you realize that Moses with his altars 
And we went over this really heavy this morning. These altars of stone, which is the gathering of men. And gathering of men, how? We know they were gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So that ten men, which is an altar of clay, pick a man to be the minister of that altar of clay and he may be an all he may be a stone and that stone fits together with ten other men and that forms the altar of stone. And your sacrifice is given to the altars of stone. It's given to that one man who is a joint heir with the other altars of stone, but as long as he's still living, he has total control, reigns of control over the offerings that are given him. And then he passes them up to his minister in this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. This is how their social welfare system is set up. And this is what they're telling you with these altars and the tens, hundreds, and thousands and these courts of justice where you're attending to the weightier matters. This is all about a system. An actual legal system that's based on liberty and responsibility. Which is what Jordan Peterson is always talking about. But he didn't figure out what Moses and Exodus was about listening to those scholars. Got close to many times. A lot of good stuff there. But halfway across the Suez, halfway across the Gulf of Aqaba, let's <laughs> put it that way, is where the Egyptians drowned. So, no, you don't want to go halfway. You want to go all the way. So, uh, Jordan Peterson needs the whole truth, and then he can provide for it. But if he's if he tries to provide for it with his group of tens, hundreds, and thousands without the whole truth, he will play into the hands of the Egyptians, and he will be an instrument of evil. But I have no control over that. But it's already written in the law of God, in the law of nature, in the law of right reason. So, so in verse 4 we see, or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good whatsoever, it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath and it be hid from him. There's that phrase again, hid from him. When he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. One of these. Which one? Which one of these? And if shall be when he shall be guilty of one of these things, that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing that he did. He did something wrong. See, like he could do something wrong and not know he's doing something wrong. And then when he knows he's done something wrong, then he's guilty. But does he go to jail? Is he put in prison? Which is what we were talking about this morning. Well, what's his penalty? And he shall bring his trespass offering because he, he's guilty. He did it wrong. He didn't know he was doing it wrong. And then he did know he did it wrong. And then he's going to try to fix it. He's got to bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin. Which he has sinned. And so, now his trespass offering is what? 
which he had sinned. You know, the trespass offering for what his sin was, whatever it was. He didn't know. He did know it wasn't true, but he did it anyway. Or he didn't know, but then he found out that it wasn't true. So he's caused problems. He's So he, he fell short of the mark because he didn't know. Or maybe he fell short of the mark because he did know. So, But now he has to bring himself a, a, a sin offering to the Lord. So what does that mean? And he says... And we see here a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. And if he be not able to bring the lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he hath committed to turtle doves, to young pigeons. Or two young pigeons. Unto the Lord. One for the sin offering. And the other for the burnt offering. So now we have a, a burnt offering. And a sin offering. And of course I have. I, I don't have men right at the moment. So if you're looking. They're, they actually have them in several places. But there is a page on sin offering. And there is a page on burnt offering. And he's saying. That one of them is for this and one of them for that. But what about when he brought the goat? Or, you know, because he did, he was able to bring a lamb. What happens then? How how does that work? Because he's got two turtle doves, but he's got one lamb. So how, how how is that divided up? Well, is it even about lambs and goats and turtle doves? Yeah, because he's using this word torim. Or turtle dove. So it's Torum again is Tov, Resh. So it's an act of faith and it's a choice. But it also, the next letter is the Yod, not the Bob, but the Yod, which is the divine spark. Followed by a Mim at the end. And Mim is flowing. So it's, it's something that is actually in motion. It, is it a turtle dove? Or is it something to do with an act of faith? That he is paying some sort of recompense. He's paying something. He's giving something over to the priest for the Lord. Because I can guarantee you, God doesn't want to eat the lamb. And God doesn't want to eat the kid of a goat. And there's not much in the kid of a goat. Anyway, so we could look at those Hebrew words, kid of a goat. Well, are those spelled different? Are those representative of something else? And I'm not, I don't even have notes in there right now. But we've talked about some of these things. The milk and meat, you cannot boil a kid in its mother's milk. Has nothing to do with a kid goat. Has nothing to do with milk. Which is someday when I talk to Sam Harris, I will say, yeah, I heard you once say a, a goat is a goat is a goat. Not in the Bible. <laughs> a goat isn't always a goat in the Bible. It may not be a goat. And, but, you know, you can, you can blame Moses or you can blame the translators, but I can tell you if Moses was any more direct than he was, we wouldn't have a single copy of the Bible. So it's written so you can mistranslate it. The only way you're gonna get it 
is the Holy Spirit. And the only way the Holy Spirit is going to come to you is you start doing what God says. And stop doing what God says not to do. Because if you do what God says not to do, the Word of God is going to be no effect in your heart. You're not even going to get it. You're not even going to recognize it. You don't know love if you don't know charity. If you don't know charity, you don't know love. Write it down. So, verse 8, And he shall bring them unto the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and bring off his head from his neck. Ring off his head from his neck. But shall not divide it asunder. So, again, they're talking about dividing it asunder because if you go back to Genesis, they didn't divide the offering of the dove. Of course, it was a little bit different word. It had the vav, tav, resh. So, you had this vav in front of the tav, resh. You had no yod, no mem. So, that was what was in Genesis. This is not the same word. But, the translation that we're looking at, it shall not be divided because that wasn't divided in the original dream and vision of Abram. But what was divided was Abram was divided away from the dove goddess of Sumer, the dove goddess of Ishtar, the dove goddess of the city-states which have Legal systems of legal charity that are a snare, which David tells about, Paul talks about, that, and Proverbs talks about, that offer you the dainties of men who exercise authority, which Christ talks about. You're not to eat at those things, not to be that way with you. So you're to be cut off from the offerings of Ishtar, the offerings of the dove goddess. The offerings of FDR. So, you know, actually I was just, I just had a picture of one of the dove goddesses, which is a relief on stone. And I thought like, it's funny, I just flashed on this. I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but that looked like Hillary. <laughs> so, but uh, hard to think of her. I also shared on Facebook the speech that was given by Bill about how we had to protect our porters and deport illegal aliens that have criminal records and and that we had to protect and we have to bar them from welfare. I mean, he said all those things. You can go to my Facebook page, Brother Gregory Facebook page. And, and maybe you'll find it uh, if it hasn't been <laughs> uh, censored or something. But he's talking about you know, and like in verse 8, and he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer them. Offer them to who? Offer them to God. Right? How does he give them to God? God's not going to eat them. Oh, he just burns them up and then God smells the sweet savor and everything. Really? Really? That's it. According, now this is just, if you if you said something wrong, if you if you did something by even mistake that you shouldn't have done and you find out about it, you gotta go kill a turtle dove. 
Well, you're going to see all the other re- things that you have to do to kill the turtle dove. And uh, I've estimated that could be a hundred thousand turtle doves a month, easy, with the number of Israelites you have. For if you if you include all the other reasons that you might have to kill a turtle dove, that is amazing. That is a lot of freaking turtle doves. <laughs> what in that tarnations is going on? With that many turtle doves. No. It's not about turtle doves. It's not about doves at all. It's it's about a sacrifice. Of something. And. You don't even know. I mean it says two turtle doves. But. What it's really saying. Is that an offering that. One of the offerings. Is the sin offering. And the other one is the burnt offering. And so, understanding the difference between burnt offering and sin offering is so different from what they tell you that it takes some mulling over. So, that's what we're kind of talking about. So, then he goes in verse 9 and it's going to get even more confusing. And I'm going through a lot of these things and not explaining them. But then, as time goes on, we will say more and more. There will be certain words in here that you'll you'll recognize and say, okay, I know what that is. And it says, and he shall sprinkle of the blood of the sin offering upon the side of the altar. I mean, we have to look at every single one of those words. Side of the altar? Blood? Sprinkle the blood? I mean, he wrung off the neck, right? He twisted the neck off of this poor turtle dove. Did it? Is that really what he did? If it's not a turtle dove, then there was no neck to really tur- spin off. So what are the words that are actually there? How how fabricated is this? And of course, I admit fully that Moses wrote it so you could fabricate fabricate a false interpretation so people would keep writing it. So when you eventually got along and you had the Holy Spirit and you would read like, what are they talking about? See, I, I don't fault people that say, well, I don't even read the Bible. It's just all a bunch of hooey. Well, it's because you've you have listened to people who told you what the Bible means. You just don't understand. And of course, so many people that have done that, read the Bible and studied it and went to seminaries, they believe they know. They want to believe they know. They don't have the humble heart. We talked about Moab this morning. They had to be humble. They had to leave this city. You'll have to listen to the first broadcast on the Turtle dove. <laughs> get that? Because I'm not going to rehash that again. I, I will in other recordings when we start filling in a lot of the pieces of the puzzle. So he shall offer the burnt offering according to the manner, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, for his sin, which he hath sinned, and it shall be forgiven him. So how does a priest make an atonement for your sin? Well, he's got your offering. You gave that to him. But he's just burning that up, right? So how does he make an atonement? See, if you went, you you lied about something, or or you repeated something that you didn't even know was a lie, ended up being a lie, injured somebody, you could go and you say, look, I injured you, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you this turtle up. No, I'm going to give you, I'm I'm going to try to make amends. And you can still do that. But Moses is saying that, you know, you 
by injuring that individual of society who are all bound together in the singularity of monotheism. Now, I'm throwing in those words there. and you, you If you fill in the definitions you already have, you're probably going to miss it. But, you know, if you injure one person in a band of brothers, you injure one brother, you've injured all of them. So, if you injured one and you go and you make amends to him, have you really made amends to all? Have you really done atonement to all? Not really. So the priest is receiving whatever it is that you are actually giving, whether it's a she-goat or, or a ram or a lamb or a heifer or a dove. And he's going to offer it. He's going to give it. Because that's what offering means, to give. To who? To whoever needs it in society. Because your actions, this is where spirituality, true spirituality comes to. Your actions of either sloth or malevolence have injured all of society. So if you just help out that individual, especially you personally go to him and help him out, I mean, you certainly should go and apologize. But maybe he's dead. Maybe it's something you did a long time ago. Maybe he's moved away. You don't even know where he's at. But now you know you injured that person. Now you know it was an injury to that person. So now you have to make recompense. You have to pay reparations. (laughs) But according to God's plan. How, How do you do that? Do you... Do you send a check to the federal government and they decide who deserves to get your reparations? No. Because the federal government doesn't operate in faith, hope, and charity. It operates by force, fear, and fealty. It's, it's the government of Egypt. It's the government of Babylon. It, 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 it operates with legal charity, which is a charity that is based on forcing the contributions of the people. So you have have to establish a priest class that is men of charity, men who care about, and men who walk in, I mean, they give you all the, you go read Timothy and Titus and everything, they tell you what you're looking for. But now you also know that their job is not to be your psychiatrist or your counselor or your spiritual guide in the underworld. They're supposed to be men of charity that take care of the needy of society through pure religion, through fervent charity. And so, and and of course, you get to pick which priest you want to go to, what ministry you want to go to. So, the responsibility is back on you. Is it James MacArthur I mentioned this morning? I wonder. Is that what his name is? Uh... Seems like a nice guy. He's more right on about, and very courageous in some of the things he says. A lot closer than a lot of other ministers. But I'm not sure he gets it yet. And that's what I was saying in the morning program. So if he ends up listening to the morning program, he can also listen to this, because I just mentioned him again. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. It it seems like, you know, if, if, you know, there's a scene in the Bible where a Pharisee comes to Jesus at night in secret. 
and he's talking to Jesus. They also do it in the daytime. But he's talking to Jesus, and Jesus says to, to one of them, he says, and it may be the same one for all I know, I don't know. He says that you're not far from the kingdom. Because he, he got a lot of things right. He doesn't have it all right. But that's why he's there. He came, he was willing to humble himself and go listen. And he probably was one of the Pharisees who was defending Christ in the Sanhedrin. But he probably got into trouble for it. <laughs> he may have ended up being one of the 144,000. Uh, at least, uh, I, I shouldn't say 144,000. He may have ended up being one of the 120 in the upper room. I don't know. I don't know. There is a list. There's actually two lists out there of the people they believe were the 120 in the upper room. I mean, I'm not going to say they're gospel or anything. It's an interesting list. It's interesting who's on the one list and not on the other list. And then, but it's even more interesting when you study the individuals because some of them we know of. We don't know everything of them, but we know something of them. But, um, he could be one of those. I don't know. Is he humble enough to see what he's been missing? Because I tell you, if he starts preaching the full gospel, the whole truth of the gospel of the kingdom, that's going to put a strain on the roll number in his church. But maybe, maybe God wants him to do that. Maybe God has put him in the place that he's in so that he have the opportunity in his bully pulpit to tell the people the, the whole truth. And and pray that they see the truth and accept the ways of Christ and repent. Because he's going to find out, if he listens to his show and start listening to some of the others, he's going to find out what he's been missing. And will he will he have the humility? I, I hope. I hope he does. And But he will only have it if God, if he lets God write upon his heart and upon his mind. And he will cause quite a stir because he's well known, well respected by a lot of people. And I'm sure some of the people that were in the forum that I talked about in the morning show will not go along with this. I'm not going to say which one. I I can't name names because I can't remember names. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so we see these, uh, you bring it to the priest and the priest shall take uh, his handful of it, even the memorial thereof. Oh, we should go back and read, uh, cause there's a, there's another verse. So we'll skip that. We'll go back <laughs> and read. Uh, there was the, the two, the second uh, for a burnt offering, according to the manner of the priest, shall make an atonement. So we got that in 10. In verse 11. But if he be not able to bring two turtle doves, and there's where you have that same word again, Torum, or two young pigeons, then he that sins shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil upon it, neither shall he put any frankincense thereon, for it is a sin offering. Now, there's a whole reason for that. Frankincense, what does that represent? What does oil represent? And, and why a sin offering? That you don't add the oil. Because what does the oil represent? 
I mean, generally speaking, oil has to do with anointing, anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is a sin offering. You, you've done somebody wrong and you're, you're making a recompense by giving to a man of charity that you trust that is probably part of a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands. And you're trusting that he will take those funds and use them in a good way that will strengthen somebody who actually needs help. You're funding the social welfare system of the kingdom of God. And so you're making a sacrifice, and that's between you and God, what it is, what the amount is. But they're giving you hints as to how to do this. But you're not supposed to put oil on it, because it's a sin offering. So what's the distinction? And so I only point it out so that eventually when the pieces start, you know, you're going to have to go home and pray about it, meditate upon it, and uh, and then figure out what does it mean. So in verse 12 he says, Then shall he bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it, even a memorial thereof, and burn it on the altar. So everybody says, well, that's so clear. He's supposed to set it on fire. He's supposed to burn it on the altar. He's supposed to throw it in the flames. Well, then where's the social safety net? I mean, who's going to make pancakes? <laughs> who's going to make unleavened bread for the widow? She's going to starve. There's no provision in the Bible for taking care of these. All these offerings are just getting burned up. Thousands of turtle doves and, and lambs and sheep. And I don't know, like I say, I don't know who's going to get all the firewood to do all this. 600,000 people, you got all these things, you're just burning them up. We know that they eat of these feasts. So, is this flour, when he says burn up, it means used up. And of course, if you go read an article on Red Heifer, you realize that, no, it doesn't have anything to do with burning up red cows. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as touching his sin. Because this is a sin offering. So the priest is distributing. He's not distributing. He's not. The people who get this distribution may not even know that it came from him. And Jesus talks about that. It's not set up. The, the priest, and the priest isn't going to get credit either. I mean, they're going to appreciate the priest bringing by the unleavened bread for the widow. She's going to really thank him. But she knows that's not his bread. It's not his flour. It's not coming out of his pocket. It's, well, in a, in a way it actually is, but in a way it actually is not. She knows it comes from other charitable people somewhere in their network. That's the only way he's going to have extra food to give to everybody else. Is because they're all a part of a system of charity. They know that there are people in their network that cared enough to cast their bread upon the water and her kids are going to eat that night. She knows that she's a part of a system of social welfare that operates by charity and love, which are the same things, alone. She knows she's a part of that system. And when she gets an extra penny she doesn't need, She's going to put it in the coffer too. Because she knows maybe she's going to help out somebody. You know, she's got two kids and not much money or anything, but she knows there's somebody else who has three kids and less money and maybe poor health. 
And so if she has any way, because she has freely received, she's going to freely give. Now, if we go over to those guys trying to eat the carcass, those scavengers, which we mentioned, so we're tying this together a little bit. They're not doing that. They're like a bunch of scavengers, a bunch of vultures. They're grabbing a piece of flesh and the other one's grabbing a piece of flesh. You will see them sharing. You will see them sharing. One vulture will grab a big chunk of meat and he'll pull it. And another vulture will grab that same chunk of meat in the mouth of his buddy. And they will pull it apart. And each one will get a piece. Like a wishbone. One's going to get a bigger one than the other. But they're working on tearing the flesh off of this so that they get the size of it, and then they'll go and tear off some more. That's that's the way the systems of the world works now. There, the the modern Christian, he's not careful who he bites. He doesn't even know who he bites. He just sends the government. Will you go to my neighbor's house and bite off a chunk of his flesh? Take some of his blood? Force him to contribute so I can have free education and and free health care and, and social security and Medicare, Medicaid and pay my student loans off. Go to my neighbor and bite a chunk of his flesh so that you will have the funds to do that. You know what that's going to do? That's going to turn the citizenry of such a nation into perfect savages. They're going to be vultures. They're going to want to tear at the flesh that's laid out before them. They will want to tear and eat. I mean, you know, like you know, the shark who shows the blood. You know, what was the Finding Nemo? You know, where the shark smells the blood and then his blood, <laughs> and then all the sharks will go after him. So, yeah, because you're all. Biting one another. And of course that's what's happened in America. People have been biting one another. Somebody, that was another thing I shared on Facebook. You know, my Facebook is basically, you know, I have a certain family deal, but, um, if anybody just about, who's a part of the network can join my Facebook. If I find out you're not a part of the network and you're on my Facebook and I don't know who you are, I'll, I'll probably ban you. But I, I don't have that many people following. But if you want to follow the ways of God, you can join that. You can join Facebook. We have a page, His Holy Church Facebook page too. And you can join that. And then share it with others. And But you really need to join the network. Join a congregation. We just had a congregation started in Idaho. If you're in Idaho, get a hold of it. You get on the Oregon group because that includes Idaho and say, I want to join the congregation in Idaho. And somebody will put you in touch with the congregation in Idaho. Because they're kind of, they're from Coeur d'Alene down to Sanders. And uh, I think they actually have one guy who's over there on the border between Washington and and uh, Idaho. Uh it's hard for me to keep track of everybody, which is why we're doing a network. I don't have to keep track of everybody. I keep track of ten guys. They keep track of a hundred, and they keep track of a thousand, 
And then it makes it really hard for the government to keep track of us. <laughs> Not that we're doing anything wrong. Uh, I, you'll actually find people in government who are sympathetic to what we're doing. And, uh, and they're there. And they're great. And, uh, maybe they'll join, see that the fact is, is you can join these networks and we're not dependent upon the internet. We don't want to be. We don't want to depend on cell phones. We're actually looking at other alternative ways of communicating. Lots of different ways. I won't mention them here. <laughs> but, you know, we're not starting a revolution of violence. We're starting a revolution of love. And caring. Real love and caring. Not emotional love and caring. But actual caring for one another. So anyway, we, we've looked at verse 13. And um, we, well, at least we began it. The, the priest makes this atonement for him as touching his sin. And that he hath sinned in one of these. And it shall be forgiven him. And the remnant shall be the priest's as a meat offering, whatever's left over. Because, now, if you understand, the priest, this ends up, and right now, with most of our ministers, it's not a full-time job. It is pretty much a full-time job with me. Uh, but I have at least two or three full-time jobs. <laughs> so I do a lot of overtime. But uh, a meat offering shall be the priest's possessive as a meat offering. So he can eat of it. And it, it actually can also become a part of the heave offering, too. Which we'll, we've explained and we'll explain more. Because heave offering is going to be really important in the future. But what makes the heave offering so important to the individual is when the heave offering becomes a wave offering. <laughs> which... 99% of the people who could even know that it mentions a heave offering and a wave offering in the Bible have no idea what those things really are all about. Certainly not Sam Harris. Because Sam Harris thinks a goat is a goat is a goat. Probably thinks a meat offering is a meat offering is a meat offering. <laughs> and a meat offering isn't even meat. It could be a meat offering for a vegetarian. <laughs> but anyway... 14, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, so now this is really a different section. It's still part of the same chapter, but he's saying, if a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation by shekel of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for the trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he shall hath done in the holy thing and shall add the fifth part thereto and give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven him. So, now here's a fifth part. Shall add a fifth part. So in Egypt, you had to give a fifth of your, all your labor, a fifth of all your labor to the Pharaoh every year. And so, now we have to go back. We're going to take one step backwards here. Talking about a ram. What's a ram? 
Remember, if an altar of stones has nothing to do with rocks and the kidney and kidney fat has nothing to do with the organ of a kidney and the fat of a kidney, but has to do with the Levites having the reins of control of the offering. And offering it to the Lord is simply giving it up to the needy of society because when you give, that's how you give to the needy of, that's how you give to God. You know, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your, your rams or your turtle doves. But the people, I mean, you're supposed to be dressing and keeping creation. You're also supposed to be loving your neighbor as yourself. Because that is the righteousness of God, to do that. So, you're supposed to be helping take care of the needy of your society. And when you do that, you give it to God. Now, I'll put that in context. So, I I look, oh, we got a hand up. We got a hand up. He's been sitting. I don't know how long he's been up. I went and checked it. So, I'm going to leave it there. Where did Jesus talk about this same thing? And maybe we'll come back to this. But I'm going to answer somebody's hand here. I gotta remember. Let's see how I turn on a mic here. Okay, this is seven two nine zero. I'm gonna hit your hand, and you can ask a question here. See, I think your mic is on at seven two nine zero. Did you have a question? Yes, thank you, Brother Gregory. Uh, first, I just want to uh, let you know what an inspiration you are. I recognize your indefatigable. Um, character and uh, it's just it's just so inspiring uh you're i'm just a, like a year younger than you i think and it's um as we get older things change but to have a, a leader like you is just uh, a true blessing but i have a question and it, it's just something that has come to me and i don't know who to ask it to but um is it remotely possible that this is hell <laughs> well, uh, I, that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, it depends on, I'm here, and I'm not in hell. So. Yes, I'm not either, but look around me. Well, what, what you see, the, what you see out there, and I understand exactly what you're, you're saying, is, is this hell. What, what this is, you know, when, Moses, I'll give this as an example. I'll tell a little bit in a story for him. So we're doing it a little bit symbolically because it's, that's really, it's a good question, but it's a very hard question to answer so that other people will understand. But Moses wanted to see the glory of God. And, and God said, you can't see, nobody can see God. You can't see the glory of God. But I tell you what, Moses, as, as, as well-versed as Moses was in communicating with God and as close as Moses was to God, he he could hide in this cleft. And God would walk by and he would just kind of see God from behind as he walked. And that that's all the glory that he could take. If he got any more glory, he would be just consumed. Okay, well, that was heaven on earth. But that's all he could see is a glimpse of heaven. Walking by this cleft in the rock. Okay, now you look out in the world and you say, I see hell. Is, it, is, is this hell? This is what I'm looking at. Well, what you're looking at is a glimpse of hell. Like, you know, and 
because you're listening to us and because you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you're seeing that the more I look, the more I hear this and the more I look out at the world, I said, man, the world is in a lot of trouble. This, it's like hell on earth. You, you're, you're not far from being right. In a way, when you're not far from being right, to some degree you're right. That's another way of putting it. But you're only looking at a glimpse of it. So you think it's bad here? No, it's a lot worse than hell. But then hell's not really a place. It's a dimension. So in in one sense, it is a place. I don't want people to think that somewhere there's a big pit. Uh, you know, if we find it, you know, like it's west of Eden or something. But it, it's another dimension. And when you die, your soul is going to be drawn to hell or it's going to be drawn to heaven. Uh, if it's drawn to heaven, it, that, that you have no power over it. It's it's drawn, right. and even Moses, as good as Moses was, you know, evil came to contend for his soul. That's what it says, you know, that it was like fighting over his soul. But there was somebody to advocate for Moses, so it didn't win. <laughs> you want somebody to be advocating for you as well. But I don't want people to to, to worry about tomorrow and an afterlife and all that stuff. Heaven. Is in the moment. Hell is in the moment. And every moment we have a choice to choose heaven, to go the ways of heaven, to go the ways of righteousness. And, and what we've been talking about is people that were dealing with these issues in a real way. They, they had a much clearer understanding of what Moses was talking about at that time. Because Moses was right there. Caleb was right there. Other guys were right there. Guys, the Sanhedrin. The 70 were right there. And they had, you know, I mean, they were out. Once the uh, Holy Spirit descended upon them, they were able to explain a lot of things that a lot of people today aren't getting. Nobody's kind of sharing it with them. There's very few. Uh, The laborers are few. Always going to be the case. Uh, But... The, the fact is, is this is your journey, and uh, I'm on my journey, and we, God willing, our journeys will overlap and and complement one another and uh, be instrumental in in uh, being instruments of God in bringing in the kingdom. But yeah, what you're seeing out there in the world. And we're seeing it more and more. I mean, like I've, I must have had this conversation a dozen times in the last few weeks and months with people that if I told you that what's happening today, if I told you this 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you would not have believed me. And, and almost everybody, almost everybody I shared that with, it, it says, yeah, I would have thought you were crazy. And my response has been half a dozen times already when they say that. It's almost predictable that that's the way they'll respond to that statement. And I says, I would have thought I was crazy. <laughs> I, I I did not imagine that it was to get as bad as it is. Uh, but it did. But the bad news is it's going to get worse. But you want, I tell you, the more we go the way of the kingdom of God, and that's what we're supposed to be seeking. The, the kingdom of God and the way of God, the righteousness of God. That's the way of God. 
the more we will be separated from the goats. The more we will be cloaked. We will have our cloak of invisibility. I've actually Mm. been in church meetings where I was invited to church meetings. And I knew there were people that were going to be there that did not like what I had to say. (laughs) And, And I've seen this. I've gone all across the country. So I've been in a lot of situations where... When they walked in, they couldn't look at me. I mean, I don't have light shining off me like Moses or anything. They would not look at me. And when I spoke in front of the crowd, they were way as far away as they could be in the back of the room. And they didn't, they couldn't even sit down. They paced back and forth like a wolf in a cage. And I observed it, but it's not me. I don't have any power. No. I can't do this. I can't replicate it. I don't want anybody to think that I can. I cannot protect anybody. But the Holy Spirit can protect everybody. But we have to start following the light. And so whenever you get a glimpse of the kingdom of God, strive to follow that glimpse. Strive to follow that way. And and, and every time you see things that kind of upset you, that bother you, or like you, you may see your fault. You did like we were just talking things that you had done, and mm-hmm. you didn't know it at the time how bad that was. But now you know mm-hmm. that now you, you should be inspired that I, I can't save myself. But if I go the way I got, I got over a hundred sheep going by my window. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> they're scurrying about. They actually, they're down to the routine now. People, nobody's running around. No dogs have to chase them. They've actually, to me, that's it's almost inspiration. I've been talking for years and years and years now. The sheep have to come together. They got, they got to come together and start being there for one another. They're all, they're all staying together. They just ran through uh, a gate and they're walking. They could. They could turn up the road. They could turn down the road. They could run any direction they want. But these are rain sheep. They know to stick together, and they're all sticking together. And that's what we need to do with the kingdom of God. And that's one of the things that we have to pursue is that okay. that coming together. So, now, have you talked to me before? You don't have to identify yourself. I, I don't mind identifying myself. I'm Pam from Maine. Okay, you're Pam from Maine. Okay. So I was trying to detect your voice, and I wasn't sure. And, of course, I'm... I'm terrible at names, but I'm pretty sure I heard that voice before. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, good to hear from you, Pam. Is that a sufficient answer for you? Or did you have anything else? Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thanks for the call. Uh, I'll get better and better at these calls if I practice and practice. <laughs> so, okay. Thanks for the call. God bless. God bless. This is this is a spiritual journey in a physical world. So when we look out there in the physical world and we see like the world, we say it, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, as, because we see the patterns of hell appearing in everything uh, and, and all around us. And, and we see people in the self-destruct mode. Suicides are up skyrocketing. And, of course, you know, the drug addiction, the alcoholism, the the uncontrolled diet that people have, they're committing suicide. 
that they won't do it with a gun or with a rope or any of those things. They're still committing suicide. And you'll find it all over Europe. And so if you actually could count all those people too amongst the suicides, the, the number is astronomical. And of course our birth rate is is dropping away rapidly. I, I know all kinds of I, I just got several reports of people that are dying of of blood clots, of heart attacks, of uh, cancers. Uh, they didn't just get one cancer. They got a bunch of cancers. Fully vaccinated. They got a bunch of cancers. Now they had all kinds of, not necessarily health issues. They have had some health issues, but they have poor diet. And you you can't convince them that they need to change their diet. But the ultimate diet that you need to increase in your life is to eat of the tree of life. And if the, the poor diets that you see in people, the, the abuse of their bodies, the, the drug addiction, the alcohol addiction that you see out there in the world is a symptom that they're not eating of the tree of life. They're eating of the tree of knowledge. And this is one of the most difficult things in, in my job is that I'm to give you that knowledge that everybody lacks, yeah, but for the lack of knowledge. But the knowledge that I want to give you is not information. It's the knowledge of God. And if I'm talking to you over the radio, I'm only giving you the knowledge, you know, I'm talking about turtle doves and, and tovs and vahs and yods and mems and these letters and all these symbols and, and what they really mean. And I'm attacking your delusions. But I, I try to do it with funny stories at times and a light heart. Because I'm, I'm not trying to punish you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to take away your life vest. But I want you to learn to swim. I want you to learn to be at home in, in the, the waters, the unrelenting waters of righteousness. And in order to do that, you have to see the unrighteousness. And this is what what they're talking about in Leviticus. We're not going to get very far in, because I got several of these, but I think it's really good. I'm actually putting these pages together on the fly while we're doing the program. <laughs> As I'm reading it. But when I go back and, and, and edit this to take out the telephone numbers and all that kind of stuff... Um, and my coughs and everything. Um, I I will when I, when I go through this, I will add more and more links to this and put it together more and more so that all the pieces will well not all the pieces, but enough of the pieces will be there so that if people have questions about certain things, and uh, you know what why why do they keep saying young pigeon? What what is a ram? I was going to do address the ram thing several times. Uh, but I just haven't had the time to do it. Uh, last night I was gonna work on this with a tablet, uh, and I, I just had to lay down. I'd been going for 15 hours, whatever it was, 16 hours, and I, I laid down with the tablet and I fell asleep. <laughs> but I was up at five, or a little bit before, and I got a lot of it done. The tablet was right there, and so I just propped myself up and, 
and made most of the changes that I needed to make before we did the morning program. And now this one, I was going to come in here, but then I had people coming, and like I've shared some of the stories that came to me. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that that they were offered $125 per diem a day to become an activist. Well, you're a mercenary. <laughs> activist. And it's all tax-free. That... And you're talking busloads of people getting $125 a day to ride on these buses and go through bricks through windows and be guaranteed that you're not going to go to jail, nothing's going to happen to you because they've already spent hundreds, millions and millions of dollars to get DAs in all these major cities like Portland and in California. They will not prosecute you. You know, and I joked about that case of the person who stole the $600, that case... That's 30 years old now. Uh, he stole $600. But now, you hear all these stores closing in different cities. And they're targeting the cities. Uh, and the stores are closing because a shoplifter can come in. If he, if he steals under $700, they can't prosecute him. They won't prosecute him. He can, he can walk out of the store with $600 worth of merchandise and, and he's not going to get into trouble. It's only $600. So does that count if you steal a purse from a lady? That was How much did you have in the purse? $600. Sorry, we can't prosecute him. We're not going to arrest him. We're not going to put him. That, that's a crime of want. <laughs> well, if, if, I mean, when does that become, you can steal $6,000. But, this is what they're doing is cultivating the perfect savages. They're they're licensing the perfect savages, and now people are are following. You know, if you go into a, a, an expensive store and you buy some jewelry or you buy something in the store, you could be followed home by people that will rob you. And and there's video out that they people got. Uh, where guys just followed the lady back to her car and attacked her and. And she finally, she took off her watch and threw at the guys and everything. They ran over and and knocked her down and everything. And she just took off her watch and threw at them because all they wanted to do is get the stuff. And and they do this with impunity, you know, and, and nobody's doing anything about it. And, of course, what they want you to do is become vigilantes and everybody get armed and start shooting these guys. And then they can come down on them. I talked to somebody in government. I says, now, there are multi-million dollar hotels, motels, businesses, all shutting down in Portland. And uh, in a lot of other cities as well. And I've seen them do this with farmlands. They they took the the water away from them, the irrigation water that came from dams. They took it away from them, trumped up things, fake fake things about, you know, some chub minnow and everything. And they actually, more of the water went down to a power plant and everything, but all the farmers, and most of these were originally vets, they bought these farms on on uh, VA loans, and they, they were guys who came out of either World War II or Korean War, and th- this is now their descendants, and their for- farms were just devastated. And some of the greenest fields here in Oregon were turned to a dust bowl. Because they wouldn't let them have any water, and they had to sell their land at a loss. Uh, 
million dollar ranches and they were sold sold at a loss. The paper doesn't report this, and they they were absolutely totally bankrupt and devastated by this. Well, now somebody's bought the land up, and guess what? They bought it up on pennies on the dollar. And guess what? Now they can get the water back. <laughs> and the same thing's happening, going to be happening in California. Because your government is corrupt. But of course, you've elected a corrupt government because you're corrupt. Because you covet your neighbor's goods. To the men who exercise authority and the men who exercise authority, they don't love you. you they don't go and run for office in government because they love you. You think Pelosi loves you? You think Schumer loves you? You think, uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Mitch McConnell loves you? I want, I want to equally represent all parties. <laughs> they don't, they're, you've created offices of power to, so that you get lots of dainties from the rulers who exercise authority. And you've been doing it for a hundred years. And you're all back in the bondage of Egypt. You're not going to fix this by electing good guys. It's not going to happen. You have to repent. You have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, the kingdom of God is very simple. It's people who gather together in a network bound by love for one another. How do you get bound by love for one another? Take you back to the movie. It's not a movie. It's a miniseries. Band of Brothers. If you like military shows with some shoot 'em up and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but it, it's a, it was a great book. And it's, it's, most of it is a great production except the one episode that Tom Hanks did not direct. Now I know there's a lot of problems with Tom Hanks, but he's a good director and a great actor. You know, I can, I can, I can compliment somebody who it, it, it does a good thing. And it's a very interesting movie, very, and with the best thing, you have to watch it so that you see the actual interviews of the soldiers. But they were a band of brothers because they suffered together. Because they sacrificed together. It wasn't the Constitution. It wasn't the fact that they were getting a paycheck. They didn't, when, when they were sent back because they got an injury, one guy went back because he got an injury, and he went through the rehab and he went through all this stuff. And then finally he joined up his regiment and he realized, I have to start all over again. That I'm not a part of the Band of Brothers. You know, I, I followed orders and they said, stay, recuperate and exercise and everything. And I'm back and I'm willing to risk my life. But I wasn't like the guys who snuck out of the hospital and snuck back to the front lines because they weren't going to leave their buddies alone. That that's a different kind of guy. And that's what creates the band of brothers. And Moses was creating an entire nation of people that would sacrifice every week to make sure that everybody was taken care of, that your your children were taken care of, that your your widow was taken care of. And they did it with free will offerings because every offering had to be a free will offering. It could not be a forced offering. Where 99% of all the offerings that you have in your nation today are forced offerings. You're going to produce a different result. You're going to turn the people into perfect savages. Now I can point out to the busloads of guys wearing black that are going around throwing bricks in buildings and you can say, that's bad. 
But there's a lot of things that are bad. I mean, you can see that's bad, like that Pam's call, is this hell? Well, that's a glimpse. That's a glimpse of hell. Where everybody's throwing bricks and destroying their own... I mean, the black community is destroyed. The black, it wasn't the whole black community. But members of the black community destroyed the black community, destroyed the jobs uh, that were, and the businesses that were owned by black people. They did that to themselves. And you say, that's bad. But what happened to all the black people that were electing people like Maxine Waters? To, so that, Because she promised them more and more benefits. And now people promising them reparations. That's the, reparations is the death nail. <laughs> the, the nail, the final nail in their coffin. It's destroying the black community and we've talked about that a lot of times. They are the canary in your coal mine. This is the way the world is going. And you're either going that way or you're going the other way. All roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to Babylon. All roads lead to the kingdom of heaven. But it's about direction. So if you're not in a congregation, uh, join the network, find somebody uh, so find a congregation as close to you. This is your criteria. As close to you geographically as can be. They don't have to be, everybody doesn't have to be perfect. Everybody doesn't have to be saints. If you're looking for a congregation of saints, they won't let you in. Because <laughs> so, none of us are saints. But you're looking to gather with somebody and start learning to care about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and you're just starting to awaken care in your heart and your mind. And that will open up a door instead of the pit that we talked about this morning. You have to, like Moab, you go back, listen to the morning show where I talked about Moab. And and you had to be, leave the city, and I don't mean to actually physically leave the city you were in, but leave your dependence upon the city and the city, the civil society, and begin to create the sacred society of Christ that operates by faith, hope, and charity, that follows the way of Christ. And and people, somebody asked me, what's your vision for this or that or the property out there, the church property out there? It's It's not my vision. It's God's vision. And I, I have an inkling. I didn't tell them any any details or anything. But they're not my details. And I, I did tell them that the way you do this is moment by moment. God's not going to say, okay, this is what I want you doing for the next 20 years. God's going to say what I want you to do today. What I want you to do with this individual. What, what I want you to do in this situation. And He's going to guide you with a spiritual compass. But for you to read that spiritual compass, you've got to be listening to God. And he's telling telling you little things during this program. Little little things clicked with you. You, you may have remembered things in your past when I mentioned trespass offerings and atonement. And, and it shall be forgiven him. Forgiven him by who? I mean, the guy he hurt doesn't even know he did it. You know? And, and verse 17, and if a soul sin and commit any of these things 
which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, like coveting your neighbor's goods, the men who exercise authority, thou, though he wist, wist it not, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. So, yeah, people say, well, I didn't do it. My parents signed me up. Okay. You're still, there's still some sort of guilt there. Now, it's between you and God. It's not between you and me. I, I'm not going to make you go buy a ram or a lamb <laughs> or a turtle dove and kill it and set it on fire. It isn't about that. And the more we go into what the ram actually is and the she-goat actually is, the more you, you, you will... It, it's kind of like typing. If you if you type with a good course where you're not looking at your fingers all the time, you can get so that you don't have to look at the keys and you get all of a sudden there comes a point there where you're just automatically typing. And then you'll you'll read... Once you start understanding some of the passages we just went through, then when you read it, you, you'll know. Oh, altars. Okay, I got it. Excuse me. Altars. I got it. Religion. I got it. Breaches. I got it. I understand these words. Sin offering. Meat offering. Heave offering. Wave offering. And then... With more and more of those pieces of the puzzle, you'll you'll see the structure. Now, everybody doesn't have to see the structure, but everybody has to learn to love one another. And everyone has to forgive one another. Which brings me to verse 18. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priests. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance wherein he erred and wist it not and it shall be forgiven him. We saw that up in verse 16. And it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering and he hath certainly trespassed against the Lord. Now you can trespass knowing you're trespassing you can trespass because you don't know. But if you don't know and you trespass, it's probably because you're not following the Holy Spirit. If you're not following the Holy Spirit, it's because you're not eating of the tree of life. You're still eating of the tree of, li- of knowledge. And the reason you're still eating of the tree of knowledge or eating of the tree of knowledge at all is because you're full of vanity. And evil will play to that vanity. And speak great swelling words and, and create churches where you get all kinds of good feelings because we're, we're doing this right. And of course, there are other guys, you know, in that strange fire conference that the guy sent me the video of that included, I think, James MacArthur. Uh, they were showing crazy stuff. They were showing videos of crazy stuff that is really nothing to do with Christ. Nothing at all to do with Christ in some situations. It's actually, uh, it's it's hypnotic. It's it's uh, delusional, and it's emotional. And it, you can say it's pagan. What really makes it pagan and idolatry is that all those people, probably the man, are engaged in covetous practices, 
And what you're seeing is the bizarre behavior that you're seeing with their flailing around or jumping around or singing around. They're just they're just burning up energy and everybody's feeding on one another. But that is a symptom of the fact that everybody's already feeding on one another through the system of social welfare based on men who exercise authority and take away from your neighbor so that you can have free stuff and take care of your parents and have Medicare and Medicaid and all these other things. If those other pastors that were in that strange fire conference, because they, they see this emotionalism as strange fire, but there's emotionalism in their own system. And, yeah, they have some good doctrines that they mention. But if it's not the whole doctrines of Christ, it falls short of Christ. And so, Mr. MacArthur needs to see that. And everybody that he preaches to needs to see that. And it's up to him to share it with them. But it's up to God to show him how to do that. And it will change things <laughs> to say the least and I mean when Christ brought the whole truth they crucified him so you know and he said the same for his apostles and so the more you stand on the side of Christ the more you're not going to be liked so anyway we got to Leviticus uh, 5 and it's not really complicated, but there's layers to it. Actually, one of the ministers said that it was fascinating uh, listening this morning. And I, to fascinate him, he's a really smart guy. Fascinate him is a big deal. <laughs> he found it interesting anyway. Well, I hope that when we go through Leviticus 12, Leviticus 14, Leviticus 15, uh, and then number 6, and and there's a couple others. Jeremiah 8, 7 and Genesis have the same spelling for the word that they translate turtle dove. They translated turtle dove in Genesis, but the same spelling in Jeremiah 8-7, they just say turtle. Now, why they do that is just astounding to me, because it is the Bob Tov Resh. So that should be the same. It, it's basically the same, but they they don't do it. But it's interesting, I think, there could be a reason why they do that, but it adds to the confusion because you're not reading it in the Hebrew. But really what adds to the confusion, we should all know this, is that you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity because that's the Corbin of Christ and the Corbin of Christ draws you near the Holy Spirit and the tree of life and the nearer you get to it, the more you can eat of the tree of life. But be warned that as you start to eat of the tree of life, you will see more and more of the things that you didn't see before that you were doing wrong. But that's the good news. Because now you can do something about that. And now I've given you an idea of what you can do about it. Maybe I should share a little bit more about when it, it talks about this portion. You know, when we were reading in Leviticus 5, down there, one of those last verses, it talks, of, I, it, they don't translate it, and King James, they translate it, estimation. And we may go, I may do a little bit of study on that, estimations, and put it in there so you can see it. With thy estimation, you're bringing a ram, which isn't always a ram, because a goat is not always a goat, and a ram is not always a ram. <laughs> but it's without blemish, so it's without ulterior motive, out of the flock, out of your wealth, and according to thy estimation, you give it 
as a trespass offering unto the priest so that the priest will have a way of taking care of the needy of your society so that nobody has to go to FDR, LBJ, Obama, Bill Clinton, or even Trump. They don't have to go to them because we're already taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. And that that's a reversal of what we've been doing for the last hundred years. But it's in your estimation. And you're forgiven. I can't forgive your sins. I can I can forgive you of your trespasses against me. But see, this is probably probably this is the, one of the most important things to pick up. This is something that people will miss all the time. This idea of forgiven. You know, I study to be a priest. I can't forgive sins. <laughs> if you sin against me, if you rob me of my time, if you rob me of my my purse, uh you're not going to get much. <laughs> You, I can forgive that. But if my purse belongs to God, and you rob me of the purse that's in my pocket, but it belongs to God, you do not want to do that. Ed did that. Ed paid the price. Ed's dead now. <laughs> I'm not saying that he was struck dead. But before before he died, uh, he he realized Probably that I should have paid him. <laughs> but he didn't owe me. I gave the debt to God. If, if the Israelites left Egypt by any other means than by the grace of God, and then the Pharaoh came after them, there would only be their power between them and the might of Pharaoh. Because they left by the great grace of God, by the honor of God, by the glory of God. When, when the Pharaoh reneged on his promise to let the people go, he came up against God. In the days to come, you're going to need that on your side. You're going to need that provision on your side. Because you're not going to stop what's coming. Any more than you can stop, you know, the flood of Noah or the, uh, or a comet that come, or, or, or a meteorite shower that comes out of, you, you can't stop it. You can't do that. You, you can't stop what's coming. But God can stop it. God can protect you. Remember when we went through Exodus? You can go back and read those chapters and most of those audios up. I have to put a bunch more up there. But that the plagues that came, they came to everybody. But the Israelites were spared. They were spared somehow miraculously. They they didn't have all the frogs everywhere in their house. That They did help clean up the frogs. Uh... And, and there were crops that were destroyed, but they were often spared. And uh, why is that? And then when they left, that actually saved a lot of Egyptians. Because whatever crops had not finished growing were still in there and they left. And they left with a great deal of wealth. Maybe, maybe they said that somebody came with lots of gifts to them gold and silver because a lot of Egyptians were saved because they started listening to Moses and they started saying this guy knows something 
we, we have, and, and we see this in some of the things that I read when we were going through Exodus, that there were Egyptians that were pleading for the Israelites. You know, let them go. Don't hurt these people. These people are, we saw that with people who pled for Jesus. The, the wife of Pontius Pilate said, don't hurt this man. She was a supporter of Jesus Christ. Both Pontius Pilate and his wife later built churches were a part of the Christian movement. When he went into exile, he was a part of the Christian movement. He's considered a saint by some of the early Christians. Really? Pontius Pilate? Yeah. So, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've screwed up, God wants to take you back. But on his terms, not on your terms. And uh, and so we've shared a little bit with what those terms look like. So anyway, I'm going to call it an end. And, uh, and until we meet again, until we meet again, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.